Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. I reckon I'll be sleeping here tonight. I'm just looking out the SENWA windows. Unbelievable the weather. It is just coming in sideways and the wind is howling at an excessive rate of knots. I reckon it's about 80 kilometres at the moment. The trees are basically at right angles. Anyway, let's hope it subsides in the next 20 minutes. So don't worry about my problems. Let's get back to sport and let's look at the Commonwealth Games and some of the big moments overnight. Of course, Kyle Chalmers said it took all his strength and courage to win his third gold medal at the Games in Birmingham in the men's 100 metres freestyle. Kyle, he broke the Games record on his way into this final. Kyle Chalmers in front. Coming at him is Tom Dean, the silver medalist from the 200. The Chalmers story. It keeps getting bigger and better. There's the gold medal for Kyle. The 100 free. He's the Commonwealth champion. Yeah, congratulations to him. But, of course, he, uh, he's been certainly under pressure somewhat to try and justify that everything's okay with Cody Simpson and Emma McKeon and all that. And this is what he said at the... Uh, at the post-race uh, interview and press conference regarding his gold medal. It's special. It's special to win. But unfortunately, I think it's hard to enjoy the moment when all that's happened has gone on. It makes it a very, very challenging time. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to block it out enough to stand up and win tonight, but I just hope that no one... I hope this is a learning point for everyone and, you know, we're... No one else has to go through what I've had to go through the last couple of days. Um, it's been very challenging. Yeah, good on him. Well done to Cole Chalmers. And, of course, Emma McKeon, she won a gold again last night. Now Emma just moving forward. Not a great deal between them. McKeon, Barrett, Gallagher. Emma's in front. Now it's about hanging on and timing it out. Holly Barrett's moving up. It's tight. Does Emma get the touch? Yes, she does. She does it again. A dozen for Emma. Yeah, well done to her. 12 uh, Commonwealth Games gold medals there to Emma McKeon. Let's just update what else has happened in sport. Uh, all thanks uh, to th- buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres now at Tire Power. And you certainly uh, make sure you've got the right tyres on your car, particularly with the weather conditions that are prevailing at the moment. As I said, a lot has been discussed regarding the Live Golf Tournament and the series. It's in his first season. And it appears, uh, and it was confirmed by Greg Norman last night, that Live Golf offered a figure of between $997 million and $1.1 billion Australian to Tiger Woods in an attempt to lure the 15-time major winner away from the PGA Tour. And uh, you'll hear now this interview uh, that was conducted with Tucker Carlson on the Fox News Network in the United States about whether that was true, and which Norman confirms it was, 
and also the other workings inside Live Golf and also the resistance from the PGA Tour. Here's Greg Norman. What is the business model? I mean, you're, you're not signing your players to an exclusivity contract at all. They can play wherever yep. they, else they want. Yep. There are no TV rights at this point. You're streaming it for free. Yep. They're putting a huge amount of money into it. That's mm-hmm. obvious just from sitting here. So how does the revenue arrive? Well, the revenue will come in once we launch the league, right? This year is a startup. Yes. Right? Because, quite honestly, back in February when we were ready to start up, there was a few obstacles thrown in our way from the PGA Tour. And so we had to pull our reins back a little bit. For our viewers who aren't following it, can you give us a sense of those obstacles? Well, that's when the book came out about Phil Mickelson. There was some Phil Mickelson made some not so complimentary remarks about the Saudi, Saudi, where the money came from and Saudi Arabia, and then the snowball and create a bit of a dominoes or a scary effect, and the PGA Tour came in, and they obviously did the right thing and trying to protect their monopoly, came in and the, the players backed off a little bit. So we had to regroup. We're ready to sign the next week. We're ready to sign multiple players and launch the league. So we decided to take a step back, analyze the situation. We knew our model was where it was. We knew our investor was still there. He wasn't going anywhere. The money was in the bank, right? So we just made an adjustment. And we worked around every obstacle that's been thrown in our path. So we came up with the invitational series to beta test lists, right? Now, with the fans, Tucker, we did a survey for nearly 12 months around the world, asking fans from different tours, what are they like and what are they missing? And they came up, it was overwhelmingly more fan engagement, right? More fan experiences uh, and team sport. Give us more teams. And that's, we built the model around that. And our model is 100% built around the golf ecosystem from the ground up. So we're not trying to destroy the PGA Tour or the European Tour. We're there to work within the ecosystem to show that it's big enough space. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Billions and billions of dollars in the game of golf. Why would sponsors drop golfers for participating in live? That blows my mind. And sponsors, by the way, who spend billions of dollars in Saudi Arabia. The PGA Tour. It's <laughs> a, a good point. Right? The Can you P- give us examples? I'll I'm give interested. you a prime example. The PGA Tour, I think, has about 27 sponsors on the PGA Tour, do 40 plus billion dollars worth of business on an annual basis in Saudi Arabia. Now, why doesn't the PGA Tour call the, the CEOs of each one of those organizations? Oh, sorry, we can't do business with you because you're doing business with Saudi Arabia? Why are they picking on the professional golfers? Why? The male professional golfers. Females, the LPGA Tour, is sponsored by Aramco. Right? Literally? Literally. The largest sponsor of women's golf in the world is Aramco. That not one word has been said about them, right? But why is it why is it on the guys? Why are we the ogres? What have we done wrong? We're independent contractors. We have a right to go play wherever we want in the world for whatever we want. So what do you think that's about? It's clearly not about principle, obviously. So what is it about? It's a monopoly. They just want to shut us down whatever way they can, right? So they'll use whatever leverage point they can to shut us down. And they're not. They're not going to shut us down because the product's speaking for itself. We have my phone um, almost on a daily basis gets 
calls every day from players. One in, I want in. Can I? How can I join Live? Can it? I tell them I'm so sorry the shop is closed. So the list gets longer and longer and longer for the players who want to come in, which again is a testament to the the right white noise. Why is it so? Offensive to some American golf fans that you're doing this. What are they mad about? Do you? Think? I don't know. I really don't care. Quite honestly, I just love the game of golf so much, and I just want to grow the game of golf. And and we at Live see that opportunity. We at Live see it not just for the men, but for the women. We at Live see it for NCAA and younger generations. We at Live see it as a pathway to opportunities for these kids to experience a, a new world out there. Live is the future of golf. And it's in more. It's just that's a very simple phrase and comment, but is live is the future of golf because you have you don't see what we see in the future, you don't see what we want to invest in the future. CSR programs, education programs, all this stuff that's out there that we want to get involved with for golf and growing the game of golf. So you keep reading that you offered Tiger Woods seven, eight hundred billion dollars, some mm -hmm. unknown number, to join Live. Is that true? That number was out there before I became CEO. So that number's been out there, yes. Yeah. And look, Tiger's a needle mover, right? Yeah. So of course you're gonna look at the best of the best, you know? So um, they had originally approached Tiger before I became CEO. So yes, that number is somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> in that neighborhood, about 900 million to 1.1 billion. And I was actually talking to a couple of staff members uh, before I came on. I'm just wondering how much Greg Norman's getting paid to be the CEO of Live Golf. Probably wouldn't be uh, shy of what they were offering, I reckon, Tiger Woods, because he's the face, he's the spokesperson. And the big question will be whether Cameron Smith, uh, and there's been a lot of conjecture, uh, but yet there's been no movement on whether he will join the Live Golf team. And that'd be a huge scalp for the uh, organisers if uh, the Australian does sign up to Live Golf. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Just some other sports news. Uh, Australia's mission to qualify for football's World Cup. And, of course, the World Cup is happening in November. November 21, it gets underway. And it happens every four years. Well, it just got a little bit easier with FIFA announcing extra qualification spots for the Asian Football Confederation. That's where Australia does play. With the World Cup in 2026 in the USA, Canada, Mexico, it will be a 48-team tournament up from the traditional 32 nations. And the Asian Football Confederation is said to be granted eight direct qualification positions for the big event. Now, the new AFC qualifying format will see Australia enter at the second qualifying stage along as part of 36 nations with nine groups of four playing off in a round-robin format to see the top two teams progress. And then 18 nations that qualify from stage two will be placed into three groups of six with the top two teams in each group progressing directly to the World Cup. So that's going to be what's going to happen after Qatar with the 2026 event being staged in the United States, Mexico and Canada. And cricket star Mitchell Stark will arrive in Birmingham this week, but his eyes may be focused away from the Edgbaston Cricket Stadium, where his wife, Elisa Healy, is leading Australia's women's cricket charge. Australia almost certain probably to pick up a gold medal there. Australia have started with consecutive wins following a scare against India in their opener, but Stark hasn't been in the stands. Instead, he was back home to attend uh, Pat Cummings' wedding 
that happened in Byron Bay last Friday, but he's sure to be in the stands watching the women's bid to win the maiden Commonwealth Games T20 gold. But he'll also be lured to watch his brother Brandon, who is competing in the high jump at the Birmingham game. So a couple of uh, very interesting events and people that he'll be following. Mitchell Stark, our Australian left-arm fast bowler, watching his wife, Elisa, in the Australian T20 competition and also his brother, Brandon, who's competing in the high jump. Just before I go, a couple of other little points to point out regarding footy. Uh, A lot has been said about Luke Jackson. Uh, Kim Hagdon had his say that it may be an unsettling factor currently at the the Fremantle Dockers because uh, players are not knowing exactly where they do stand, Sean Darcy being one, and maybe a couple other players as well, which may lead to maybe the performances of certain players in recent weeks. This is what Simon Goodwin said on Luke Jackson on AFL 360 last night. Yeah, look, I've had some great chats with Luke and some real honest chats about um, we just want him to perform for the Melbourne Footy Club, however long that may be. And that's what our focus has been, whether that's 10 weeks, whether that's the next 10 years. Um, And he's been really open about having those discussions and he's fully committed to Melbourne for that period of time. And our responsibility as a club is to be mature in our approach towards that and and get the best out of Luke for however long he's at our footy club. And those conversations have been had with Luke. He's embraced it. Um, He needs time to make his decision and we actually don't know what the situation looks like. And we've said to Luke all along, you take as much time as you need. This is a big decision. He's 21. Um, You know, he's got a chance to go home um, at some stage throughout his career and he's got a footy club that he loves uh, at the moment. So tough, it's, a, it's a big decision for him to make. I've had a couple of chats to Daniel during the, the season. These are challenging times for players and they've got to make decisions about their futures and uh, I, I just wanted to make sure that Daniel felt supported and also to encourage him that he just play the best football he can for the rest of the year and whatever decision he makes at the end, uh, he makes. Hopefully he decides to stay with the Lions, but if he, if he doesn't, uh, he's, he's given us great service and, and we're, we're grateful for, for what he's contributed to the club. So there you go on the tail end. That was Chris Fagan, the uh, Brisbane Lions coach, who was also featured on AFL 360 last night, talking about Daniel McStay, who also is out of contract, and a bit of conjecture regarding where he could possibly be playing uh, next season. Fagan also went on to talk about uh, where Brisbane sit at the moment and the fact that many have actually put a line through the lines for the flag this season. No, I understand that people want to comment on the game and that they're gonna, they've got to have strong opinions because that's why people want to watch and listen to media, so fully understand that. But we can't, we can't get caught up in that. I mean, this time last year, I think we, we had to win our last three games to finish in the top four and even that wasn't guaranteed. I think that happened in the last two minutes of the game. So, uh, you know, you just take each week as it comes. It's a really tough and tight competition. And if we can get back to our really best form, which we showed a strong glimpse of yesterday in the first half, then there's there's no reason why we can't be really competitive um, come September. You know, we're not, we're not a perfect team. We've got uh, strengths and weaknesses like every other team. But when we play at our best, we're, we're pretty hard to beat, as, as people saw in the first half yesterday. There you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed the program. Certainly a lot uh, contributing uh, towards uh, the big announcement today of Josh Kennedy deciding to say farewell to AFL footy. Here's Swan Song being against the Adelaide Crows here at Optus Stadium on Sunday. It looks like the rain's abated for now. I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow at 5 for Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy.